Uh, good morning, folks. It's 9.08. Almost, well, no, 9.09. Exactly right now. Anyway, good morning, folks. Thursday, May 11th. And our topic today, the Athens County Extension Office. Agricultural Extension Office. Sometimes I slip that word in. They do a lot of good things. We're going to learn all about it from the head of it, Ed Brown. Today on the Party Line. Ed Brown, good morning. Good morning. Welcome. And, um, you know, I took a soil sample over there the other day. I've got a spot in my yard that's not growing grass well. And uh, so I got some dirt and um, took it over, and your labs are doing your thing. And sometime in the next day or two, I'll have the results and know what to do, right? Yes, that's correct. How about that? Well, that's just one of many things that the... um, the extension office does. Uh, the extension office, folks, is at 280 West Union Street. That's right next to the fairgrounds. And our Athens County Health Department is in the first floor down. And then if you pull up behind that building on the second floor, that's the entrance for the extension office. And um, Ed, how long have you been in this role? Uh, a little over eight years, coming up on my ninth anniversary here at the end of the summer. How about that? Mm-hmm. And when I think over the years, I've been here 50-some. Mm-hmm. Um, I've known many of the previous um, extension office mm-hmm. directors. And yet, with my poor memory as I get a, older and all of that, I'm having trouble recalling some of the names. Mm-hmm. But they, they were all terrific. And um, so the extension office, the history, how long ago was it the concept, come, did it get founded? Sure, yeah, it has a, a very interesting history, actually. Uh, it started with the land-grant universities back during the Civil War. Uh, the Lincoln signed the Morrill Act, which uh, established the, the land-grant universities for training of agriculture, mechanic universities, uh, free public universities uh, around the country. Uh, and so they began their research and, and training the, the young men for, to go out and do those careers. Well, they had all this information, uh, but nobody, it, it was the bottleneck kind of held up there at the university level. And for the practical man, the farmer out there in the field, they weren't getting this information that was uh, being researched. So in the early 1900s, uh, they, saw, they uh, started another service called the Cooperative Extension Service in about 1914 was the first ones. And this established uh, the local experts that worked for the university to go out. And they would actually, uh, it's kind of interesting, they would take uh, a train and go to the nearest town and get off and start asking throughout the day who is the most progressive farmer mm. in the area and then go meet with them because they knew if they could get them to try some of the practices and then demonstrate what was going on that maybe some of the other farmers in the area were would uh, adopt those practices um, and now since 1914 that's expanded across the united states and in ohio here we work uh, with ohio state university and there's an office in every county in the state so all 88 yes yeah uh, some of them have there's a few that do not have agriculture 
uh, in them, and it's somewhat because of the way they're funded. It, we call it the Cooperative Extension Service because it's a cooperation between the state, the state university, uh, the county commissioners funding part of it, mm-hmm. and then some of the federal money from the USDA. And so it's cooperation. So some of the counties you know, don't have the budget stuff, so they do not have some personnel. But uh, all counties have our other uh, colleague is a 4-H in them, but uh, there's a few that do not have the agriculture portion of it. Yeah. Now, let's run down through the different uh, segments of agriculture mm-hmm. that your office deals with. First of all, I already mentioned my example, which is a soil sample I've uh, from my um, large yard and where it's not growing uh, grass well. All the rest of it is just this mm-hmm. one area. And so um, I'll get that result, and it'll tell me whether to add lime or wh- whatever it is. You know what I mean. Right. Um, so that's that's just for um, everyday people, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, plant disease. Um, if you have uh, something that um, seems to be bothering other things, you can take that in, and it'll be identified, and you'll get some advice, right? Right. We actually have a plant lab. It's being renovated right now, so it's a little bit more restrictive on how much, how many samples we can send in. But for the most part, I see some of the common problems that happen around the county. So they've been become familiar with me, so you can usually identify them right there in the office. Sometimes uh, when you do come in, though, I, I'll ask you a lot of questions. Because it'll let me know if sure. this is some kind of localized event. Because there's well over 100 different things that some that could happen to a plant. Of course. Uh, and so I, I, I might ask you, is this the only one? If you know, if it's one tree and you have 20 of that tree in your, you know, or two or three, and that's the only one being affected? Or if it's all of them? Uh, what kind of conditions? Is it in a low area? You know, is it wetter in that area? Uh, and just some of those conditions and to give me an understanding or idea of where it's growing because sometimes a lot of time we have plants that are planted in the wrong place and they get disease and they don't live very long one that kind of comes to mind over the last few years that's really been uh, a bother to a lot of people is the colorado blue spruce Uh i get a lot of those because we they start dying back from the bottom and and it's because our conditions here in ohio are not the same as in Colorado. Of course. And stuff. And so they, they've done well for decades, and they might be very big trees, but as things are changing here in the climate and stuff, uh, they just don't have the longevity uh, that they would in their native, native habitat. And so some things like that that come up, uh, I'm expecting those calls and stuff. But every once in a while, you'll, you'll catch me with something I haven't seen, uh, something unique, and we'll have to send that off to the lab uh, and uh, up in Reynoldsburg. And they'll be able to test that for us and give us an idea of what we can do or if we can do anything. You know, um, weeds are always an, uh, an issue, I think. And um, if you don't know a great deal about uh, how to identify what weeds you have and that sort of thing, and for that matter, insects too, um, you can um, um, take them in. And you folks will help identify what it is and how to deal with it, right? Yes, yeah, so that's correct. We uh, and bees as well. Yes, uh, yeah. I, it's very interesting that we know. I, being here for so many years, 
uh, you know when those questions start coming in because mm-hmm. you get more than one. And so sometimes I'll start getting a whole bunch of bee questions, especially as we uh, a few weeks ago, as the carpenter bees started emerging and uh, attacking people's homes and how to deal with those. And then uh, we've also have a lot of solitary bees that are active right now. So I've started getting calls about those. So it's very cyclical for me. Solitary bee? Yes, actually most of our native bees are solitary bees. They don't live in hives. Uh, they either burrow in the ground or in a tree, but uh, or in holes that they find, and they actually live a very solitary life. They might mate, I and mean, that's about it. And they're the ones that are least aggressive. They usually don't. They'll, they might have a stinger, but only if you're going to step on them mm-hmm. or do something very aggressive. They're not even because they're not defending a hive or anything. They're not looking out to even go after you. So uh, if we see those, if you see a bee going into the ground and stuff, usually. I just said, just walk around it, uh, bump into, they'll even bump into you and just keep going because mm-hmm. they have, they're focused on their job. They don't live very long lives, a few weeks, six to eight weeks or so, and then they're done. They have another, uh, you know, they hatch some eggs and stuff. So they have a lot to do in their short life. So they're not worried about really uh, coming after you. I've been dealing with some wood boring oh, yes. um, in trying to uh, keep them from destroying decks and things like that's that. right yeah okay well um you know th- there's a program i've heard of so much over the years and so many f- friends of mine have um, taken the class and saw and so on which is master gardeners sure and um you know th- there's um, a bunch of people who have taken that class and then they volunteer to help with the city's various plots of flowers and and little show places at intersections and things like that mm-hmm. neat group but uh, they got their their start through you all right yes yeah actually it was a it was out of desperation that a group out in oregon started in the 70s they were getting so many calls and requests to, to help out with problems in the landscape and the home yard and stuff so the extension agent there decided to train a group of individuals to volunteer to come in and answer phone calls to go visit and to help educate the public just to relieve the, the load of work on him. And so that slowly spread over the years and across the United States. And here in Athens County, in the mid-90s, we started our own uh, – and actually throughout the state of Ohio, we started our own Master Gardener program – and so it does we train volunteers with 50 hours worth of education and over several weeks uh, of courses even people that maybe not have a lot of experience but they want to learn we take it through all aspects of gardening and horticulture and once they finish that then they volunteer with us for 50 hours to repay that and then each year to maintain that master gardener status they do 20 hours of volunteer work and 10 hours of continuing education and uh, we, we we always uh, try to do projects that are educational in nature because we can get into a lot of requests for maintenance and stuff and that's not really what the, the program designed to is to educate the public to help them out to do some learning 
So one of our big projects is like our, our children's garden behind the community center over here in Athens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have classes out there with the kids that come for the summer camps. We're planning on that. Uh, we, we also help out with some of the other projects around the county. And sometimes and people do propose new projects, and we have to evaluate whether that fits into those objectives, that they're a learning objective uh, aspect to that. You know, there used to be a dog park, and maybe it's still going, but I, I know they have plans in mind to change it um behind the hilton i guess yes and then there's some gardens just to the side of it and it was always interesting (coughs) excuse me it was always interesting to take your dogs down to play and then watch you know the the people in their gardens and Mm -hmm. the kids too um you know it's just neat well listen um Folks, if you uh, just tuned in and uh, didn't catch the beginning of the program, our guest today is Ed Brown. Ed is the um, um, ex- county extension agent or the head, head of that, uh, that program down there on West Union, which is right across from Siemens Grocery and all of that. Um, now, Ed, Ed, let's talk about your staff. Uh, you're not alone there. Who else is there, and what uh, what are their roles? Uh, sure, we have uh, Bridget Moore, who is also Athens County native, who's come back, and she's our 4-H educator. That's usually our more, most uh, notable program when we talk about extension. We talk about 4-H. Mm-hmm. That's that's the one that most people think of. And right now, they're gearing up for their com- summer camp season. We have over 600 members uh, of, of youth around the county in our 4-h program 600 yes and so it's always been a very popular program and they gear up and they do projects it's really a learning club program we have clubs all over the county and they uh they do all sorts of projects there's over 100 different projects most people think of just the showing the animals at the fair or or that used to be the sewing the cooking and, and that kind of stuff but we even have rocketry and robotics and uh we did, uh, we had some cake decorating and all sorts of di- about anything photography, all that. So that she's really involved with that right now. It's get, this time of the year is their busiest time of year. Uh, besides our 4-H educator, we also have um, our Snap Ed educator, which um, they actually are working uh, with the those participants who have Snap benefits, which you know that used to be the food stamp program. And so now they've changed that to the Supplemental Nutrition uh, uh, Assistance Program. And they work uh, kind of in cooperation through Job and Family Services for the state. Uh, And they do programming on cooking and managing on a budget and stuff, those food benefits, so that uh, they can have access to, you know, good healthy food and are able to utilize those programs. And she, she actually uh, partners with a lot of different agencies in the area that work with the, that population to do those classes. That, so she'll go up to Gloucester or down to, you know, anywhere in the county, really, sure. and, and help out. Uh, and that's Crystal Howard, and she's actually a Nelsonville native. So, Mercy. Um, now, you said something that caught my uh, ear. You said uh, Bridget um, and, and now Crystal, all uh, both um, – working in Athens County but they I guess they hail from here too yes but you said yourself as well 
I didn't know this. Tell me about that. Oh, yeah. So I actually started off here. My family's from here from way back. Uh, and I actually over from the Amesville area off of Dutch Creek Road. And we were here in the in the 70s. And then we had hit the early 80s farm crisis. And we had a farm over there. And after a couple years of losses, we lost our farm over there. So we ended up moving down to uh, oh, uh, Ath- I mean, down to Florida. And I spent the rest of my youth growing up in Florida. Went to the University of Florida there. Got a degree in agriculture. Uh, did some agriculture work overseas in Tanzania. I went to the University of Missouri uh, to get my master's in extension. And ended up working in Arkansas extension for nine years. I'd never been there, but uh, they, they hired me first. And so I was there. And then when I saw this position uh, come open... Uh, eight, nine, almost nine years ago, uh, I was able to come back here. And actually, my my grandparents, uh, Paul and Donna Brown, have a home over here. And uh, some of the older folks might remember Paul. He was a he was a county sheriff here in the early seventies. Oh, oh, I do remember. Yeah, yes. And so he had a nursery, a tree nursery over here on Thirteen, and uh, so he had passed away and stuff. So we were able to move back into the old family home over there and that, that beautiful brick home yes yeah. yes and we've been fixing working on it since since we got here and it's still a lot of work to do on it sure <laughs> i i visited that home either once or twice in my life uh when paul was uh, still alive mm-hmm. that was your father that was my grandfather grandfather yes okay well um and and one last member of your staff, Faye Wilson, right? Yes, yes. she's our she she's our front office staff that helps keep us all in line. She's the one if you walk in, yes. she's the first one you're yeah, going to yeah, see. Yes, so a smiling face you'll meet at the front door. There you go. And some some offices actually have a, another uh, educator called a family consumer science educator. Uh, that used to be called the Home Economist mm-hmm. back in the day, mm-hmm. and they, those actually started coming about when they started doing electrification in the homes, and people were getting stoves and learning how to cook on those and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was all new technology at the time, and so that has developed over the years. So now they're doing uh, budgeting, family cares, anything really to do with the family, uh, child care, uh, mental health uh, programs, the canning, the cooking. Uh, and so some of our surrounding counties have those educators and we can call upon them if we have uh, questions or need their assistance so we kind of help each other out so we talked about soil samples plant disease identification of certain weeds or insects uh, bees um, and the master gardener program you also have a fruit tree pruning class now I've got uh, a a variety of trees at my property and um, um, I, um, I'm constantly um, taking care of them right mm-hmm. and um, so I don't know much though I, I'm, I try to google this or that and, and then respond but um, if I really wanted to be the best at it I should take uh, some a class on that right right and it, and it is it is pretty straightforward once you learn it it's a little bit scary when you actually get into it uh people are really nervous about cutting up on their trees mm-hmm. uh and if you ever go to a commercial orchard and watch them you would think that they're killing their trees by how much they trim off each year 
Uh, and so our class is really to get people over that fear of uh, cutting on their trees. And, and the goal is to open up that tree and get as much sunlight in there and uh, to help it grow during the season and stuff. And so we do that. The, the commercial dyes are usually do it in the dormant season in October, November time. Most of our homeowners will do that in uh, late February, early March, or mid-March, the latest. Uh, so we usually do it out there. It's a little bit cold out there. Uh, and then we'll go out there. And I've been teaching it uh, for the last few years, and we usually do it over there on the West West End Gardens mm. over off West State Street. Uh, if you've ever been over there, they have a few old apple trees that really didn't work managed over the years, so they have a lot. We've been working on them for many years, and they still have a lot of training to do on those. Uh, but it does help your tree, and what you'll notice if you do that is that you'll get a lot better fruit production. Because, you know, there's a lot of old fruit trees here, and people will tell me, yes, I get a few apples, or one year I'll get a whole bunch, and then next year I won't get anything. Mm-hmm. And so part of that class is saying, you know, helping them understand why that happens and how to avoid that so they can get a consistent crop every year and enjoy the trees they have. Um, just for the, um, typical homeowner, I'll put it that way, or, um, gardener, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have fact sheets that you can provide and then th- there's a newsletter, right? Yes, yeah, right. I have a, uh, a, a, actually several different newsletters, but I have the main grow, uh, newsletter called Growing Athens County hmm. that I put, I try to put out information and those stories I will also put on my Facebook page called Growing Athens County. If I just have something new or breaking that's coming out that I want people to know quickly. How does one get to start to receive those? Uh, so you can go to our site, athens.osu.edu. That is our Athens County page. And there's a, there's a, a link on there to our newsletters. And you just hit the subscribe button on the newsletters. And then I'll ask you what type of newsletters, because we do newsletters for those interested in livestock and the commercial agriculture. We have some for that, like the forestry, because I do also do forestry and natural resource type programming. And then uh, we have those that that have uh, dairy cattle and then the home horticulture, which is a lot of our home uh, home gardeners and stuff like that home horticulture newsletter. Now. Uh, that's for us gardeners, but you have the same sort of things for the farming community. That's right. right? Yes, that's right. And um, and then there's another aspect to the farming stuff, and that's legal updates and that sort of thing. What so what am I missing there? Okay, so we have a group of specialists that are actually lawyers, and uh, they work with our National Ag Law Center. And they review all the new laws that are passed in the state, and then they do a synopsis of those, and they will send out bulletins, what the new laws mean. There's a basic overview. Uh, we had some revamping of the fence line laws a few years ago. Right. And so that those fact sheets and uh, lawyers are available to us so that we can call upon them if we do get some questions or refer them. And they actually do have uh, – they have a – I guess a, a, a Zoom presentation that they do on a monthly basis is, uh, I believe it's, uh, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but uh, it's Farm Office Live. That's what it's called, Farm Office Live, where they address some of those issues on a regular basis. And so that is a, a great resource for us. Now, um, 
in, in my garage. Over the years, I've purchased various uh, pesticides, you might call it, mm -hmm. um, or, um, or weed control or something like that, mm -hmm. you know. And um, since I live in the city, I have a little spray wand and I hit the dandelions and you know what I mean. Right. Um, but I guess there is some concern about the age of those chemicals. And if you've had them on the shelf for six or ten years and just use a little bit each year. Um, okay, so um, pesticide safety. Um, what, what, um, should I be worried about that? The main thing is you want to make sure that it, uh, I always tell people to put it in an area that if the old, if the plastic or something, the bottle starts to leak, you want to have an area where you can, it will contain that. Oh, I get it. Yeah. So the uh, bucket or something. So it is a, get some age, maybe have it. So there's a tray or something that you're sitting on that. And I usually keep it in a locked area if it can, just in case there's kids around, mm -hmm. somebody but not be familiar with it, a cabinet or, or something. And usually a way, I always keep it uh, away from food stuffs or of anything course. like that uh, that you might be storing in in out in, in those buildings in the garage and stuff, uh, just in case you do get kind of some kind of spill. Uh, oh, one of the things that people do tend that are buying them sometimes they'll buy them they let's say they go to the farm store and they buy some chemicals but then they buy some dog food or some pet food and stuff and they set them side by side uh and then something breaks and mm. it gets absorbed by that pet food and stuff well, so that's more of a cautionary thing that can happen if if i had that happen i would discard both items you yes know what i mean yes um i'm not going to take any chances right um then um let's see here here's a i was looking at some notes here and i hadn't thought about this but food safety now say you have something that you bought and it's been in the freezer for i don't know what um, some extended period of time mm -hmm. um you know even though it's frozen is it still safe if you go a long period and and you folks can help with um the food safety stuff right that's right it, you, normally that would be covered by our family consumer science person but i usually do the food questions and the uh usda have some guidelines for different types of food in the freezer or storage that uh say it's good to this age so they can you can call in ask about that how long you know if i have let's say a frozen turkey in there mm -hmm. or something like that uh what is it good to and it's not necessarily most of the time a safety issue it's a quality issue so we know that it'll, it'll be a good quality up to a certain age maybe a few months maybe six months or so it'll still be safe after that time but it starts to the let's say the meat starts degrading and you're gonna uh, it's just gonna be very poor quality taste. even even in a frozen in, uh, environment right because we're, the way we're freezing it uh, we're not flash freezing it like some of the commercials where it's uh, freezing very quickly uh, we use the old traditional uh, slow cooling method you put it in the freezer it takes time and what happens is ice crystals form between each of the layers in there uh. and those sharp ice crystals start cutting into and breaking down that material uh, over time and so you just get a you'll get like a tougher meat 
uh, it is be poor tasting. You can still eat it safely, uh, but you might not enjoy it as much. Uh, and that's what we, you know, our biggest, when we give you those recommendations, just, just so you can enjoy the food that you've stored up. You know what just happened to me? Mm-hmm. I just had this flash in my head. Ken Ackerman. Yes. He was one of our extension office people such as yourself. Right. Yeah. That just popped into my head. Yeah, he was actually uh, in the 50s and 60s there when my parents were growing up. My mom was always talking about Ken as her extension agent growing up. Yeah. Nice guy. Well, um, let's see. Are there anything... um, uh, you know, the the duties have pretty much been the same for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, is there something that um, the extension office, uh, statewide, so that, through Ohio State University, um, is thinking about adding that um, hasn't necessarily been settled yet? Uh, yeah, we're always trying to look to what is up and coming some of the technologies and stuff so one of our big areas is precision agriculture with using things like drones and even gps and tractors and such that uh, they can they're now some fields are they're actually precisely applying fertilizers and pesticides just to the spots that need them so they might do soil sampling across an entire field at different spots and send down in a hundred soil samples and they'll enter that information into uh, the computer the GPS on a tractor and it only drop uh, the fertilizer on the spots in that field uh, where it particularly needs, needs it. it and one of the big things like we were talking about that we have run into in the last few years is overuse of phosphorus in our watershed areas especially as a western Lake Erie Basin and so we're trying, we had a lot of extra phosphorus in there, and that's caused all the algal blooms up there that they've had to close down their drinking water uh, and stuff for months at a time there during some summer months. And so we're developing technologies to help mitigate that. And that some of that is uh, testing out crops to know exactly how much phosphorus they need and not to have any more there and when not to add it. And so those are all already in development, and we have actually added extra personnel just to focus on those uh, watersheds and and precision agriculture in those areas. And so all that's still being developed to this day. Um, you see, I don't think I've ever subscribed to your your monthly or whatever frequency mm-hmm. of information you provide. So I've got to go online and register, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and if you walk into our office, we have a little slip there. If you want to come in and say hi, you can register in person. I also try to keep a booth there at the fair every year. If you yes. want to stop by our extension booth there, you can sign up uh, for newsletters there, get information. We, we try to be down in the natural resource. We have a new building down there that they built uh, two years, a couple years ago and uh, with soil and water and all those. Uh, so we work with them, and, that, and that's the good thing about working here in our community. We have a lot of good partners that we work with. So I work with the Soil and Water Conservation District. I'll actually be heading over there right after this uh, to do some planning 
Uh, we I work with our local uh, forestry, so our state forestry office over here on East State Street. I work with them. We do programs on trees because that's another aspect. We'll go out and do some land management and help people, uh, landowners that have trees and forested areas and help them develop plants for those. Uh, we also work with, you're talking about the gardens around over by the dog park, and that's run by the Community Food Initiative. So I have we do partner with them because they do a lot of the school gardens and we try to help them with train them with information. They get new volunteers that work with their program, AmeriCorps, AmeriCorps volunteers, and we'll train them in our Master Gardener program so that they can help out those uh, community gardens each year. You know, I, how do I want to say this? I'll just blurt it out. I love to mow. Mm-hmm. And years ago, I used to go down and I, I think I still have keys to the fairgrounds and mowed the fairgrounds Mm -hmm. just as a volunteer and when shorty meeks died they invited me to join the fair board and i did that for i don't know a half dozen years i guess um it is so fun to be engaged with that sort of stuff and i thoroughly enjoyed it and the you know the tractors that i drove and and mowed with were you know, they had five or six foot wide mowers, and mm-hmm. it was just neat to be engaged with all of that. And then the youth, too, with 4-H. I, I just think it's cool. So, um, if, uh, so if someone really wanted to know more, uh, you just encouraged me to go down and sign up. And then uh, you have, like, a brochure or uh, sheets of paper that describe the different programs mm-hmm. and uh, you can get with, involved with as little or as much as you want and once again we're talking about uh, let's see was it 280 uh, the address yes 280 yeah, 280 west union street in the first floor is our county health department and um, and then in the second floor and you enter it from behind the building um there next to the cemetery and all of that. Um, on the second floor is uh, are the offices for the the health department. No, no, no. Exactly, yeah. Your department. Yes. I, I just got mixed up for the extension office. There we go. Well, <clears throat> what is something you've always wanted to do and and not been able to yet? Uh, I always want to do more of the farm visits. Uh, I love to get out there and uh, meet with people and see what they're doing. So we got some unique operations around here. So I always, I always w- want to do more than I do. I do already do quite a bit, but I always want to get out there and try to do some more. Uh, one exciting program that I kind of started a couple years on my own. I saw somebody else doing it in uh, Tennessee. So I started it here in Ohio, and that was our home garden vegetable trials. And what it is is a head-to-head competition uh, between two varieties of a vegetable. And I and I have the home gardeners do it because at the university level, they do that all the time. They test them out, the varieties, and give you results. So this one will do well here. So are we talking about who's growing the best of each of those? Uh, it's Actually, we want to know the, the gardener's opinion of which one is the best. And is that based on taste? Ex- that, yeah. So we have a whole a score sheet that we send them. 
And we started off just here in Southeast Ohio. I did it the first year about uh, four years ago. This is our fifth year. And then it worked well and everyone liked it. So I actually opened up the entire state of Ohio, any gardener in any home. And we pick uh, 10 types of vegetables, five cool season and five warm season vegetables that they can choose from some people just do one of them because it takes a lot of space to do all of them because we ask people to grow a 10-foot row of each variety so the let's say our most popular one is green beans everyone loves the green beans for some reason and so i'll pick out two varieties sometimes it's an old one like a blue lake that's been around for decades uh what blue lake 274 blue lake green bean bush green bean Oh, oh okay yes and I'll put it against a new one that maybe most people haven't heard of. Like this year, we use Strike. And I'll ask them to grow side by side, and then they get a scoring sheet. How well did it come up? Did it grow? Did it have problems? Did it look better? And then at the end of the season, I want you to pick them and cook them and eat them and give me your taste preference. And then by the end of the season, they submit those reports. They can easily do it on an online system or a paper that they can send in. The answer is all that. And then we compile all those, and we put out a, the results of you know what each pe- person likes. So I'm hoping over the years here, as we do it uh, over for your, for your years, you can actually get on our site. And you're interested in, let's say, growing a green bean. And you can look at all the trials that people have done for the last four or five years and see which ones really people liked and which ones people would really discourage uh one it kind of was interesting we we threw in some purple hauled one that actually had a purple uh, shell on them they were still a green bean and as you know you see you're really catching me off guard here i didn't realize i remember my dad we had a big garden mm-hmm. you know where Aspie's building is mm-hmm. That was my home. Okay. Not the building, but yeah. that 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 the area. lot. Yes. And uh, sixty-eight hundred North High Street. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, my dad, uh, even though he tr- was on the road a lot, he traveled a lot, speaking to conventions and things. The back part of our yard was a big garden, and guess who had to care for it a lot? Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't my biggest thrill, but I did it. Um, but you know, you plant green beans. I didn't realize there's all these different kinds. Mm-hmm. And um, my dog Scamp would would go up and down the corn rows and smell the sweet corn, the 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 silk or whatever you call mm-hmm. it, and um, then pick the one that he thought was perfect and drag that stalk out and <laughs> um, chew chew it off the 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 ear mm-hmm. you know what i mean oh well what um uh, why did i tell that story that's <laughs> that's crazy all right so there's so many different kinds and so these then are judged on what the people that grow them they taste their comp- competitors and so on and, vo- and rank them right right neat but, yeah so they do that and so this like this last year we had 125 gardeners in 35 counties in the state did that and now where does this take place all over the state in their home garden in the okay. back so what i do is i send out a notice and so if you're interested in doing this we, we actually athens county is one of our biggest participants huh. and we start taking the orders in february and then i have we get the seeds in bulk 
and I have volunteers that come in and count out little packets of seeds because we send you just enough to do about a 10-foot row, actually twice as much in case you mess up, you can plant it again. And so we send you all the, the seeds, some stakes to mark your rows, the sheets, some growing guides on how to grow them properly to give you the best results. Uh, and we send all that out in March. And we send it out all over the state. And right now they're just planting them. They they already had their cool season vegetables in. And this week, if you didn't know, May uh, May 15th is our last frost-free date. So you can start putting in all your warm season vegetables, your tomatoes and peppers and everything that has a fruit on it. That's this weekend is our, and actually, I, I, you can fudge it a little bit because uh, it doesn't look like any bad weather coming up. So you could even start today if you wanted. Uh, we're close enough. Uh, but I would say May 15th is our last frost-free date. So people are going to start putting those in in the next few weeks and getting those warm season vegetables going. It's been a few years. Not That's not true. <laughs> it's been a while since I drove past um, the Paul Brown house. Mm-hmm. And do you have a garden? Yes. We actually started it a couple of years ago during the pandemic. And actually with the vegetable trials, I wanted to try some of these out. And I've been actually making uh, YouTube videos uh, with gardening hints out, really? out in my own garden. Uh, usually I don't have an opportunity because this is my busiest time of year uh, when everybody else is trying to plant and stuff. So I never have a chance to do my own garden. Mm. Uh, and so I, was, I had that extra time at home. Uh, working from the house I was still taking calls and stuff but I was doing it from home so I was able to work up the ground and get it prepared so now I have a space uh, and I can expand my garden stuff so now we are gardening now this doesn't have much to do with the extension office but I'm going to ask you anyway Mm -hmm. Uh, what's the favorite thing you plant Uh, I love the cucumbers oh see now (laughs) that's just not that doesn't do anything for me (laughs) But um, but that you it doesn't matter, does it? No, it's what you want. And uh, cucumbers, okay. And, and tomatoes. I I like the tomatoes just because of the sheer variety that we can try. So I love to try new ones. The old favorite ones that I've always heard about. You know, people were rave about. And I like to try them out to see. You know, if they're still as good as what people say. And then some of the newer ones. So that's just a fun one because I always have something new to try on the tomato side of things. One of my favorite things is Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I sit next to somebody at Rotary and they say, oh, I hate those, mm-hmm. you know. It's so good that everybody is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing I would tell people, there's a, well, it's an unwritten law in Athens County that I wrote. <laughs> What? <laughs> one zucchini plant per garden, please. <laughs> because, okay, tell me why that is. Because zucchinis, I found out uh, they're invasive. They end up in people's mailboxes, on the desk at people's office, on their neighbor's doorstep. People get so many zucchinis off their plant, they can't get rid of them. And so they start giving them, giving away, them away to everybody. So I said, if you have more than one zucchini plant, you have plenty, plenty of zucchini to go around. And you probably don't need any extra. You know, an extension office, of course, we think about agriculture. But this whole safety thing, it's important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And once again, uh, because we may have some people that tuned in late, uh, describe the safety programs that you folks uh, have been responsible for for many years. Yeah, so one, one thing that we do is for our farmers that we have a pesticide safety course that they have to take every three years to maintain their license 
So anybody that has, uh, and that's a private license. We don't do the commercial guys. They have to go to Reynoldsburg, like the, the home pest experts and stuff. But the farmers and those who are doing it for their own properties yes, and stuff, yeah. they, they get trained, they take a test, and then they have to maintain that license by coming into our training class every three years to, to maintain that. Uh, we uh, A new one that we... And this is to make sure that they're using these chemicals properly that is right okay yep properly use and disposal so we do a core course of of safety and then we do one for specific types because some are row crop farmers like corn and soybeans some people are livestock producers and they use them on their pastures and hay and stuff so they have a different uh code on their license and there's some people are greenhouse growers or vegetable growers commercially uh and so they have a different so we try to cover all aspects to give them updates and sometimes it's the newest uh, products that are out there to help them out so they can use less some of the new formulations they're not they don't have to use as much and they're not as uh, dangerous and stuff so we like to me- always recommend using the least dangerous one that'll still do the job well duh yeah yeah um you know it's have we talked enough about the snap program um that's that's to help people that are struggling, right? Right, and and define the definition of struggling. And, and so this is the, those are individuals who uh, are eligible for the food stamp or the SNAP benefits, okay. and they would apply down there at the Job and Family Services for that uh, to receive those benefits, and then we try to work with them to do the education part of it because sometimes we'll get the food. Uh, they're able to get to food and stuff and maybe not know how to prepare some of these healthy vegetables and stuff. Maybe they haven't had a lot of experience in the cooking and, and using them in a good recipes that, that are tasty. Uh, you know, people really like are used to like our fast foods and our high fat foods and stuff. And it can be a real struggle to find a good meal that people will actually eat. The family, they'll sit there, you know, it, it'd be something that they prepared and it's, it's not like something that's really anybody wants to eat so we try to give them some creative ideas on how to use those in new ways and so that's what crystal really does she'll actually try stuff out that she finds and bring it into the office and so we're always trying <laughs> like we just had brownies last week made out of uh, black beans mm. it was a black bean brownie and it was pretty good and stuff and if you didn't know she used honey and stuff as a sweetener and, and stuff and so there are some pretty creative ways to to uh, use some of those ingredients, and uh, well, if if you ever need someone to sample, just holler. Okay? I will, and I'll come right over. Um, so creative, um, using things that you have never used before, right? That might be easier to acquire and less expensive mm-hmm. and so on right yes and actually and crystal goes and works with the hive up in nelsonville sometimes with the youth up there to give them some ideas on healthy eating uh stuff so she's working and she actually just got a grant uh, to put in a youth garden up in nelsonville we're going to be breaking ground on that got a nice grant for that we're going to be raised beds and stuff we're going to be planting up there we're we're about i try to remember the location i know i'm supposed to be there on the 22nd uh, okay <laughs> well go to their website and it'll yes. be posted yes or, or just call me up because as soon as i get back I'll, I'll probably remember where that's at sure uh i, I do th- the same I think thing. it i think if i remember it might i think it's at the old 
old hospital. Okay. Yes, I think okay. that's because uh, Community Food Initiatives is doing has our um, is a partner on that, and I think they already had that site going. And we're going to develop it further for the youth there, yeah, which is on the north side of uh, Nelsonville. Not uh, not uh, you can't see it from the highway. You got to right. be in town. Right. All right. Um, well, <coughs> 4-H. Uh, of course, you're so keenly involved with that. The extension office again, folks. Uh, 280 West Union Street. Now, um, I've had, I've known my own kids even have been involved in the 4-H horse program or they've been involved in, I don't know, di these different aspects. 4-H does a lot of them. And um, I just think it's terrific, that program. What is something you've always wanted to bring to the Athens office. Um, do the offices have the opportunity to have a unique program that isn't offered statewide? Yes, uh, that's, the, that's the thing I've always liked about Extension. We're, we're, we have to make our own schedule and come up with our own programs. Uh, and so we're always looking for opportunities to see uh, where we can fit in with the county. And uh, that's why I actually have an advisory group that I meet with on a uh, several times a year to get some input of what's going on in the county and things that I can develop, maybe that's just unique for Athens County. Uh, so, you know, we started, we had some of our producers, our bigger producers say, we don't have this program here. Can you do something for us, for some of our big farmers? And so I started a, a program for them uh, that I wouldn't have probably thought of it, but they, we had some input and, I'm always looking for new things like that we can do here to fit in. I like to do some more things with the pawpaws because it's something kind of unique that we're yes, doing. Yes. And so we have several eastern Ohio counties that are actually getting like in. like when the pawpaw festival occurs, sure. you probably have a display out there, right? Yeah, we have, we have volunteers that go out there and help teach. Some yeah. of our master gardeners go yeah. out there and help out with that. We're going to actually have a pawpaw conference here in two weeks. We've got about two minutes. All right keep going though. and so we have a pawpaw conference anybody would like to go to that up at the 4-H uh, nationwide center in Columbus yes. uh, on Saturday the 20th and that's just all about pawpaw production for the entire day uh, and so if some and they're still taking registrations and I think it's $25 for that so if it, that even something like that we just started that uh, this year is our first year doing that mm. because of the counties here in the east that deal with pawpaws it was something that we saw a need for and we wanted to uh, get going. Well, folks, our guest this morning has been Ed Brown. Ed is the uh, ex uh, extension agent. What's the problem? Well, term? now we're extension educators. I okay. was an agent, but now I'm an educator. Okay. <laughs> they changed I, my title. Anyway, um, our extension office at 280 West Union. And um, uh, the health department's on the first floor and then the second floor, and you enter from behind the, the building. Um, parking lot up there and everything. Um, that's where the extension office is, right across from Siemens and all that sort of thing, next to the fairgrounds. Ed, I appreciate you coming in, and, uh, you know, as things um, are added and so on, um, reach out to me, and we'll, yeah. we'll spread the word. Yeah, and I'd like to shout out that we have our, our master gardeners are having their plant sale on saturday that's right yeah from noon to i mean nine to noon over in the uh, Athens city pool parking lot they're yes. doing some construction there but we still oh, yeah. have some room putting in solar panels yep putting the solar panels we're going to be in there uh, so come early because everybody loves to get there all the plants early so 
they're they're getting that together even today. They've been taken out of their own gardens, digging things up, uh, potting it, and ready to go. Okay. We're out of time, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. In our 73rd year of serving Southeast Ohio,